Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 95 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we'll be breaking down the big Manchester United-Arsenal matchup, Liverpool's um, form, which is really good right now, but specifically the one, the Portuguese maestro on their squad right now, Diego Jota, who is uh, completely popped off for Liverpool, and just a couple other bigger questions that have been kind of pondering the Premier League and also providing an update on Christian Pulisic, the American star in the Premier League. But I wanted to start off this episode with the Manchester United Arsenal game. I'll First of all, we'll go with the good, which is Arsenal. I thought Arsenal and Mikel Arteta, I think the tactics were spot on. You know, he knows that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United love to play on the counterattack. He basically sat Arsenal in a low block and they suffocated United. They you know, attacked on a handful of occasions. They took advantage of when Pogba um, gave away that penalty. Aubameyang put it away. Arteta got the tactics right. Thomas Partey looked amazing. Um, A lot of people were comparing him. Early comparisons to Patrick Vieira, that midfielder, that that guy that's just there to break up play, who can, you know, break up play, but also link up play at the same time. I thought he was outstanding. You know, Arsenal really showed that they're, they they have a system in place and that they have a identity of what, they, what they're trying to do each game. And sometimes they're going to lose and sometimes they're going to win. But this time, you know, they came out on top. So, you know, it was frustrating result for Manchester United, but I had to give kudos to Arsenal for mm-hmm. I was, really performing I was really well. glad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unfortunately for Yash, it was not the result he wanted. But finally, all the praise I've been giving Arsenal has come through. <laughs> I was like, if there's a team that can just happen to counter any other team and like have the tactics down to really, you know, show that they can just turn it around, I think it's Arsenal. And they really showed in this game. They didn't really win pretty. They won ugly. It was a very yeah. 50-50 match despite, you know, the result. But I think, I mean, it was a 1-0 result, so you can kind of tell it was 50-50. But like, it wasn't a very interesting game, in my opinion. It was mm-hmm. very much like... It was the same thing as Chelsea last weekend. Just a Pogba mistake caused mm-hmm. the penalty. So, um, and I think, yeah, and I, I think with Arsenal, sorry to interrupt you there, but I think with Arsenal, I think the the interesting thing with them is that um, their biggest thing for under Arsene Wenger over the you know latter stage and then with Unai Emery was that they could only win pretty. They could not win ugly. And with Arteta, you're 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 seeing even with the um, FA Cup when they you know they. They basically won the FA Cup, and now that they've gotten this is their first win against a top quote unquote top six side away since I think it was like 2015 or 2014 at the Etihad against Manchester City. So it's been a long time coming, but a lot of people go back to that performance in 2014, and they said, "Oh, the reason they were so successful is because they had like you know they they dug in, they got stuck in, you know everyone was doing the dirty work that needed to be done, and they got the win." But now we're starting to see under Arteta that they're starting to do that again and wanting to do that for the team and they're starting to win so you know I think Arsenal this is kind of like that next step they needed to take you know getting over this hump of beating a top six opponent away from the Emirates so I think they they've done a good job and they also have no nonsense defenders finally and their yeah. defense they Gabriel got Gabriel man of the match and then Rob <laughs> holding back and also Kieran Tierney playing left center back which I'm not very opposed of I I prefer having faster center backs <laughs> <laughs> so this is a uh, pretty impressive and yeah. it kind of begs the question yes it's like 
do you want to win like no matter what even if it's ugly or just like always play beautiful football and it's kind of weird that i kind of figured over like you know the years of just watching it's like i feel like you have to choose unless it's like a very very rare situation like you have messi and xavi and iniesta all on a team and like then you can do a little bit of both but i feel like even with Liverpool last season, winning the Premier League, there's a lot of games they won where it was like really ugly or like really scrappy. Yeah. Like they did not play well, but they managed to get the win. And I feel like this game of Arsenal, they kind of switched that from trying to win and play like a beautiful game and instead trying to like just focus on just getting the three points. So yeah, that's like I, a I, new kind of move for Arsenal, I would say. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. And, and not to spend like too much time on Arsenal, but I think that is interesting. And I think even... I, I know we say we, they played ugly, but there were still a lot of instances where we saw Thomas Partey just gliding through the midfield with the ball. I mean, the way he was gliding through the midfield just reminded me, like Pogba was playing that game, but it was literally like Pogba was not Pogba and Pogba's ability was in Thomas Partey. The way he was just gliding through the midfield, linking up play. I mean, he was, you know, he there was a time when Pogba was on him and he just like brushed him off like he was nothing. And that's hard to do. Pogba was like one of the more bigger dominant midfielders. Like Pogba was the one usually doing that to other midfielders. And Thomas Partey was just doing that to everyone. And, you know, to the lead up to that penalty they had, I mean, you can go back and watch it. They were linking up a lot of passes. I think they had close to like 15, what I remember at least, of 15 passes linked together by the team, whether it was from the goalkeeper to the center back, to the left back, to the midfielders, to back, to front, back, to front. It was still, you saw that pattern of they're going to play with possession, but they're going to do it. They don't necessarily have to do it the most prettiest way all the time, but when they do it, it's going to suffocate you. And, you know, credit to Arteta, he, you know, he did it. Um, <laughs> um, but going back and like moving the conversation towards the other manager that was on the sideline was Olegana Solskjaer. And my gosh, it has not been a good couple weeks for Solskjaer um, in the Premier League and just now in the Champions League today we're recording on Wednesday they just lost to um, Istanbul Basiktar Bashak Shahir yeah Bashak Shahir they lost 2-1 and you know we're going to talk about the game just in a little bit but man it really feels like with Oligan and Solskjaer the frustrating thing about it is that I feel like you know, we can you can literally go back from when this podcast started when Solskjaer was hired as an interim manager, then when he was confirmed as full-time manager, then even last season. Sure, there have been some moments of where like I have been on the teetering pole of whether I really want him as a manager, but I've stuck by him. I've supported him, I've backed him. I haven't been one of those guys that's oh, we lost to Newcastle, we need to blow up everything, get potch. I was like, Yeah, we lost to Newcastle, but you know. It's a long process of getting everything together. However, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's management in terms of his style of play, it's so reliant on the counterattack. And I know there's managers like Jurgen Klopp who rely on the counterattack, but with Klopp, there's at least a style of play in terms of even if they are facing a team that is going to face them in like a low block, they still have those patterns of play or they know what to do to get out of that situation. They're not just relying on individual brilliance all the time. And I feel like with United, as soon as they go one nil down or if they face a team that's not going to go forward so they have a chance to hit on the counterattack, they basically have to just rely on 
individual brilliance of Marcus Rashford, Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandez. There's no consistency of what they're trying to do when it comes to attacking. Um, it's all just based on predicated on the counterattack. And I think this season, especially, I think in the Premier League, we're seeing that his side is getting caught out a lot um, in terms of tactics. It's been working a little decently in the Champions League against PSG and Leipzig. But when it comes to the Premier League, he's just been outmanaged and outtacticed by pretty much every coach. <clears throat> I look at Roy Hodgson, came in there, got a 3-1 win. Arteta's outmanaged him. Mourinho's out, you know, outmanaged him. Uh, and it's just one of those things we're starting to see a pattern of he can't the team like when they go one nil down or if they face a team that's just going to sit there defensively there's not there's just not enough um play within themselves they just don't know what to do it's either they get the ball out to the wing they pass it back to Luke Shaw Luke Shaw has to like whip in a random cross and literally the past two games they've just been hoofing balls up into the up into the um the penalty box for Harry Maguire almost a la Marwan Fellaini is like we sold Fellaini so we don't play that type of style and yet we're reverting back to the same just hoof it up into the box and hopefully Maguire can get his head down and you know they can get a scrappy goal like that and that's fine to do every once in a while but the fact that we're going back to that strategy almost every single game now it's a little wearing and for me I think this is the time where I'm starting to feel where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not really the guy that's going to take us to that next level. Because if you look at the United squad, honestly speaking, if you look at it like, you know, non-biased or anything, I think it's good enough to get in the top four comfortably. But they're just, uh, unfortunately, they just don't have the manager that's going to take them there. And I think he's done, well, before I get into the rant like that, I wanted to hear your thoughts on like the, uh, on what Solskjaer, I know you You've been like hit and miss on Solskjaer like a lot of people have. And for me, I, I've just backed him for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I think there are, I was telling this to someone else and I feel like I, there's this one, like this philosophy where there's coaches that are like in two different camps. One that's really good at like developing players and then one that's really good at making the most of the plays you have and then getting the victories that's required. So I feel like Oligano is a really good coach in terms of like bringing out the most out of like the youth and kind of like bring out the potential of what a player could have. Like Marcus Rashford, he became a lot better player. Mason Greenwood kind of came out of this. And also like McTominay even to McSauce, as we like yeah. to mention. Yeah, and such. Yeah, like before Oligano came in, it was very much like, oh, they had the potential and like they were going to be good. But like once he had the time to develop them, then like you kind of showed as you've been saying, like those little instances that they had to carry the team to get the victory or like they couldn't rely on the counterattack. So like it was like up to Rashford to just skill out and just get a goal and just win that way. Mm-hmm. But I think that is a part of Ole being at the wheel that really mm-hmm. kind of helped United because as one of our other listeners, Alec, also mentioned to us, he was like, I think it's a much better state what United are in right now mm-hmm. than what it was when he came into it. Yeah, but right now, I think we just need that transition is what he was saying to yeah. the next manager where someone like, you know, Pep Guardiola, he's usually the one who comes in when the team is already ready to go. Like mm-hmm. he's not really the one who comes in and fixes the team. It's like a team is like ready to win a championship. You just kind of bring him in. And that's also like with Jose Mourinho and kind of things like that, too, where it's like he kind of comes into a team that's like already 
basically done. And then maybe add one or two pieces to kind of fit the manager a little bit better in terms of style. But like by the time those managers come in, it should be like already prepared to like, all right, we're going to win the title like this season. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I, I I think that's what you guys are looking for next. But it's kind of sad to see the Ollie at the wheel era come to an end. I think uh, I think a lot of opponent uh, opposite um, teams and stuff are kind of sad that it's going because it's like dang we we can't take advantage of that uh, that that weakness anymore and I I will have to give Solskjaer credit and you know this is me like I'm I'm still gonna back him in a sense but I I think the right thing for United to take that next step is they probably need to sack him and get a new manager in. Um, and, and the the frustrating thing is, it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's still a new manager's not going to fix all the problems because the board is still there, where they're really reluctant to spend and you know get the players that the manager needs right away. But I, I also wanted to point this out with Solshar is that he has done a very good job of basically guiding United away from that tumultuous post Mourinho era um, in terms of getting rid of a lot of players that just either dead wood or players that just were hogging up the wage bill players that were just not playing for the badge, you know, players, he got rid of a lot of players like Lukaku, Alexi Sanchez. Um, and just, you know, the list goes on and on. There's so many that they're just like not coming in my head, but I think he's done a good job of getting rid of those players and bringing in young talent and developing them and basically putting United at a much better position now than they were two years ago when Mourinho was sacked in the middle of the season. So I think for the most part, he's done a good job, but I think now it's starting to become clear that it's, they need another manager, like almost like a world, like, like you said, like that manager that's going to come in and just take that next level step to get them to where they need to be. And yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, it's just plainfully obvious when you have players like Bruno Fernandez, Marcus Rashford, Martial, Pogba, Donny van de Beek, Juan Mata, and they can't break down a single opponent. They just look completely lost. And I think when you see that, it's like you have so many talented players, but they can't break down a single opponent. I think it, it kind of, you know, you have to point the finger to the manager. So, yeah, I think, I think they, I think they need to make the move for someone new. And a lot of people want Poch, and I want Poch too. But I, I would say, you know, real quickly, Tyler, if they were supposedly to sack Ole in the middle of the season. Would you like, do you think Poch, if they did hire him, would take him to that next level? Or do you think they need to go for like someone like Nagelsmann from RB Leipzig, who ironically Ole beat 5-0, or someone like that? Or do you think Poch is the right guy they need to go for? I I honestly think Poch is, he's very experienced in the Premier League. And he's brought that Tottenham team from like, you know, sixth, seventh place, like kind of like Klopp did with mm-hmm. Liverpool up to a top four team. And under Poch, Tottenham never won a, a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. And that's kind of what Tottenham does as a as a whole um, club. But he brought so them to the Champions kind of, League final, which is crazy. That's true, but they didn't win. And didn't win. I feel like that's the big part, though. Like they need to bring in a manager that has won stuff. Like Klopp, when he was at Dortmund, he won the title with them. And he also won like the Pokal, like DFB Pokal as well. So mm-hmm. like he's won a few trophies while at Dortmund. So he had like the right mentality and the right ideas to know how to win a trophy. But Poch hasn't done that yet. And maybe 
United could be where he does it, but I feel like it'd be a little bit better if they brought in a manager that has, you know, trophies in his cabinet already and had mm-hmm. like a winning formula. But then again, you saw like that kind of all go wrong when uh, Jose Mourinho came in. Yeah. And I, and there was someone, there was a United fan that put this tweet out. There's like every manager post Sir Alex Ferguson has either been the right one at the wrong time or someone that shouldn't have been there in the first place. And I think for Mourinho, unfortunately for him, if he were basically to inherit this squad that Ole has now, I don't know. I feel like this squad could basically challenge for a title under Mourinho. I mean, it pretty much has like all the all the pieces that he would need. He may need to add a couple more that here and there, but... I think the reason, oh, this is like the last thing on here, but I think the reason a lot of United fans are infatuated with Poch is that he plays this very progressive, there's a clear style that we saw with Tottenham, very attacking, um, you know, high press, work really hard as a team. They're going to create a lot of chances, but they were also pretty strong defensively as well. I know like the last season with Poch, it was a little bit different. The defense was going wary, but for the most part, defense was solid. The system was solid. The play style was attractive, fun to watch. And I guess United fans are still in love with the fact that they could get a manager that if it all goes well, he could be there for a long time and kind of be not a next Alex Ferguson, but almost be that next guy that's going to be there for a while, not someone that we need to chop and change um, after a couple of years and such. So it's one of those things. So I don't know. I, I think Poch would be, me personally, I think Poch would be the perfect fit. I think he he would have the pieces and tools. And I think he would kind of want to show that, hey, I can take a team to win a trophy. Like, I can do it now after, you know, that time with Tottenham and such and learning. So, I don't know. It's still up in the air. And there's still a lot of jobs in the European, big big European clubs that could be looking for new managers as well. So, United, um, if they if they do intend to sack Solskjaer, they're, they've, they're going to be competing with a bunch of other clubs. But... Not mm-hmm. to spend the entire episode on United, we wanted to quickly mention Chelsea, who picked up a, a big Champions League win against Rennes today. But in the Premier League, it was some bad news because so Christian Pulisic was in the starting lineup, got hurt in the warm-ups, and like, kind of tweaked his hamstring. Lampard basically said it's not as serious as they thought, so he's still going to be good to go. Maybe like an extra week of rest and such, but this is kind of worrying. He got caught up for the U.S. men's national team squad, which is good. However, I, I'm I'm just kind of worried here because Christian Pulisic, he, he's showed in flashes at Chelsea the type of player he can be, which is a really exciting, really good player. But he, he just can't stay healthy. He keeps getting injured. Um, it seems like whenever he gets some form, he gets hurt, and then he's out of the lineup, and then he gets back in the lineup, gets hurt, and it just keeps repeating. So I don't know. Is it one of those things he could just become one of those guys that's really talented but just can't stay healthy? I, I really hope not because, you yeah. know, Premier League is a very physical environment. So I could see that I would say Pulisic is like, nah, not on the more muscular side. Yeah. If we're being completely honest. So mm-hmm. maybe that might be playing a part to it because as I learned <laughs> growing yeah. up, I, like just working out, just being a little bit more physically fit than average will help uh, not del- not prevent, but yeah, I guess like yeah, prevent is the right word. Prevent more consistent injury. So like mm-hmm. the more fit people, like you see, like the team of Bayern Munich, like everyone there is like huge, yeah, like ripped. Yeah. I feel like that also plays a part and also just avoiding the kind of minor injuries that mm-hmm. maybe Pulisic has gotten. This hamstring injury is very similar. I feel like to like Julio Jones's injury, where it's yeah. just like 
every single week is just going to be there for a while. Yeah, it's, it's going to be like a game to game basis. Yeah, like a nagging injury where it's like a, not enough to keep you out of the starting lineup or the bench most weeks, but like it is enough to like kind of limit you from being at a hundred percent. Yeah. So at this point, I don't know. Like, do you just rest the player or and just See, try to the, get him back the, to a hundred, or it's just you just play him? Like the, the Chelsea people, definitely have the depth to like not play him. But yeah. And the thing that people were scared of is that he literally tore his hamstring against Arsenal in the FA Cup final. And that was a reason they had to, he had to get surgery and get healed up. And that's why it took him so long to get acclimated and get into the Premier League season. But then he tweaks it again. So, you know, a lot of fast players have this problem where they, they do have hamstring problems because they're so fast. But I really hope that he can figure out a way. I hope this is not, I'm praying that it's not one of those things that turns into maybe like a Jack Wilshire where it's such a talented player, but just can't get out of his injury ways. And I hope the Chelsea staff medical team like really pay close attention and um, figure out ways to prevent injuries because it'll be such a shame if, you know, Christian Pulisic can't develop into the, like, the potential of being a superstar that he could be. And things could have to do with some load management. Yeah, <laughs> is what we like to call it in the NBA. It's just Kawhi like Leonard situation. Yeah, where it's just like he's not playing. He's he's he could play, but we're just not going to play him because mm-hmm. we're going to keep him healthy. But I, honestly, he's on a team where it's like it's not like a Jack Realist situation where it's like if he doesn't play, they don't have a chance. Yeah. So I think uh, he's like a nice to have for Chelsea. And although it kind of takes away some time for him to develop, I think as uh, an un licensed doctor i think uh, he should probably rest <laughs> and plus yeah. it's like you know uh, this covid year is like if there's a year to kind of like take it back if uh christian you're listening and you know don't go too hard because yeah. the u.s needs you and also yes. if uh, i saw this recent statistic for the u.s men's national team where everyone that was a midfielder or forward the oldest player was weston mckinney who's 22 years old According wow. to like the last um, starting eleven for the yeah. U.S. national team, I was like, "Wow, yeah, <laughs> they're all younger than us." <laughs> yes, well, they're same age, same age, twenty-two. Oh, true. Oh, yeah, the same yeah. age as you. I'm a year older, but <laughs> um, I mean, like, no, it's just he has time, it, so I don't think it's, it's, it's anything to rush. And I think, like, I'm, I am scared of like a Wilshire situation too, where it's yeah. like, oh, geez, it's just every year, and then just never gets out of it. But I, I think it's, I think it's not going to be like Wilshire. I think Wilshire is literally. A Daniel anomaly. Sturridge anomaly where it's just every year. But I mean, Pulisic, yeah. he's played full seasons before. Mm-hmm. So I, Especially I believe, at Dortmund too. Yes. So, so I think it's go. just going to be um, just a one thing, one time thing, but hopefully just continues to stay healthy and kind of develops that, mm-hmm. you know, tech. But yeah. random. Mm-hmm. I miss that like woman um, doctor <laughs> or yeah. physician that was with Chelsea. That was a very iconic person. Oh, I wonder, yeah how much that person plays a factor into like the fitness of the player. Yeah. I I wonder too. I think, you know, I, you know, I'm not a sports physician or anything, but I feel like a lot of it is all interconnected, like what you eat, how you train, how you recover Mm -hmm. and stuff like Russell Wilson, I think said that he spends a a million dollars just on his recovery. And like, in terms of like meal, like chef, like getting meals, recovery and everything just so his body's at tip top shape. So it's a, if you want to be in like good shape, and like avoid injuries, it's going to require a lot of investment up front. But hopefully, pool of six um, injury woes can get better. But moving on to Liverpool, mm-hmm. um, they beat West Ham 2 1. The last goal they scored 
um, that beautiful Shakiri assist to, I believe it was Jota. Um, God, Diego Jota, I mean, this guy may end up becoming like signing of the season in the Premier League. We all thought it was going to be Thiago from Bayern that was going to be signing of the season, but obviously Thiago got um, diagnosed with COVID. He's been a little bit slow. And when he has played, he's been playing pretty well. But man, Jota has been lighting up the Premier League and the Champions League. And I think he's he's scored. He's up there in the leaderboards in terms of the most amount of goals scored in his like first 10 or 11 Liverpool um, appearances. So, man, um, good signing on Liverpool getting Diego Jota like this. It was a very random signing when it first came to. Like when there was yeah. no build up to it. It was just like, oh, we got him. <laughs> it, was, yes. it was like Fabinho. Exactly. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Almost like the same price too, like 40 million pounds. Mm-hmm. So, and I was very glad to see Jota kind of get into the team as quickly as he did because it does take time. Although he played in the Premier League in prior seasons, which might have helped because like you see like Thiago is not playing every game. And he's, yeah. Of course he's injured, but like he's not, it's, it's a lot easier for Jota to get acclimated into the gameplay because like he's already used to the Premier League pace and all that. And I also feel like Kind of go back to just like the fitness overall of a team and how it's set up, like the from the positions, the physical, the physio staff, and all that. When Klopp came in, he also revamped that entire system. So he brought in like most of Bayern Munich staff, <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> so ironically enough, I think that is what helped shape like Liverpool players to also be able to like you know commit to the gang and press and also mm-hmm. have like ninety stamina. Like yeah. in terms of like statistics, like 90% stamina and like FIFA stats. But yeah. this is not a team you can just slide anyone into in terms of like the physicality of it, in mm-hmm. terms of like endurance and everything. So Jotuk just came in and took Firmino's spot. And Firmino's spot, he's very much all over the place in terms of the field. Firmino is one who's playing striker, but then you can see him playing deep midfielder at times too. And Jota basically took that position by the helm and then also now is scoring the goals, which Firmino has been getting a lot of stick for, for not getting. Yeah. Like, it's always been the talk between us two, even on the podcast, is like, can Firmino get those goals? And Jota comes in, he's like, I can do it. And he got a hat yeah. trick against Atalanta in the Champions mm-hmm. League. So, and he even scored the 10,000th goal of club history for Liverpool. So he scored the 10,000th goal. I don't know why I'm like, having this be a tongue twister for me but <laughs> but that's like a pretty big accomplishment so he's mm-hmm. officially in the record books forever because of yeah. that you know what's funny scott mctominay scored the ten thousand goal for united last season against Norwich. oh really yeah so that's just um yeah it's just funny those those players will just remain in the record books no matter what they end up doing in their exactly so there you go time to get a jota jersey and a mctominay jersey <laughs> <laughs> it's like look but i saw it I think with um with Jota, I think what's interesting is he he came from the Wolves side under Nuno Espirito Santo, which is a side that also works really hard off the ball with the ball, and I think that honestly probably helped him a lot. But you know, it, it's so funny because this signing is literally the epitome of what Liverpool and how Liverpool have built this Premier League title winning side. Mane, I felt like was sort of the same type of signing, or Wijnaldum as well when they signed them. You know, it wasn't these world um sort of like these world beaters where you already knew what you were getting it's like okay they were good but what can Klopp do to make them go that next level and Jota is the same thing where we saw flashes of what he can be and now we're seeing Klopp developing him into I'm not even I'm not going to say you know up to the Mane Salah level but being one of those good players and I think it's one of those signings where 
it's just Liverpool have done it again. It's it was really like it really does bring me back to that kind of like scenario because like yeah and literally when I saw Mane come in like I knew he was good and then when I saw Genie come in it's like oh yeah I know he's good too but I just feel like Jota like you kind of knew what you're what you're buying when you got him it's like yeah he's like a good player but like the things he's done in the in the games he's played the minutes he's gotten mm-hmm. it's like well I didn't know he had that in his locker it's like whoa yeah <laughs> it's like he, exactly it makes it look like the game is so much easier when he plays because he's a very mm-hmm. two-footed player so he can shoot with either foot he can pass with either foot and from what I've been seeing too, he has a lot better dribbling ability than I thought. Like he's yeah. able to get past players a lot more smoothly. Like not going to say like hazard level, but like some of the moves he did, I was just like, all right, that's not something that everyone can do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have a very special player and Reno, he's going to be uh, kind of sweating a little bit because I like based on that Atalanta starting 11 where Joto got the position over for Reno, that could be saying something because... And Firmino's been going through the season so far, just like getting that starting role because of just historically he's he's been, you know, been that guy. But now yeah. with Jota and it's like, will Firmino step up or like will Jota just stay here? Because now mm-hmm. for this weekend, which we'll get into in a sec, like I think Jota's for sure is getting that starting eleven spot. And like yeah. I think he's for sure gonna get a goal. Like it's at this point, it's like holy cow. It's yeah, it's a little early to hype, but I'm like from what I've been seeing from him play, it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, this guy's insane. Yeah. How do we get him for 40 mil? Exactly. And I thought it was funny after that Champions League game, um, Klopp was quickly, he was quick to just say, you know, oh, Firmino, Bobby's done so much for us. You know, you know, it, it almost just, when I was reading the quotes, it almost felt like normal coach speak of, you know, in football, American football, at least it's always like, oh, the other team works hard. You know, we got good players that are going to play for us you know, that work extremely hard and such. Um, you know, I, I just think that's just one of those things Klopp kind of threw out there, you know, in terms of gamemanship of just, you know, calming the media storm of like the Firmino stories. But I I honestly think you, you have to, you have to play Jota. You got to play the guy in form. I think, um, I think Klopp has been, you know, I, at least from the outside, it's shown that he has played players that are in form you know it doesn't really matter whether you've been there or you're kind of your prestige and such he's not afraid to go for the players that are more in form um and such so i i think i i personally feel like unless jota does something really stupid i feel like he kind of keeps that starting role um for the time being i think so too i think we're just gonna see how long this jota train kind of rides through because you know, there will be that, that thought where it's like, if he stops scoring in maybe one or two games, like, do you bring Firmino back in? Or mm-hmm. do we just kind of just believe in him and just keep Firmino on the bench? Because you never know. And also, like, maybe we in- change the formation to kind of incorporate both. Mm. It's uh, it's going to be a question and something to keep our eye on for the, the next few games coming up. Because this formula that Klopp has had, it's always been, you know, these front three, like Firmino, Salah, yeah, and Mane like for so... Four seasons now. Yeah, like three or four seasons at this point. And it's been working every time. And then the midfield is always like three, like three box-to-box midfielders. Usually it's Genie, Henderson, and I mean, Keita if he's healthy, but more often or not, it's like Milner. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, for this, it's going to be changing up the format a little bit. And it's been showing that it's working because like at the very beginning of the season, Liverpool were kind of like all over the place. But 
now Jota in, it's like, all right, now we have some stability. It's looking good. So we'll have to see, keep your eye on this over the next few weeks. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely, that's something we got to keep a, keep an eye on. And then we were quickly going through these, um, I guess like these last two big major topic questions, because we don't want to take up um, too much of the time, but we have Leeds versus Leicester. Leicester picked up a 4-1 win. They're second in the Premier League table, doing very well. Um, I would say Brendan Rodgers, it's the man of the hour. Um, it's the question that we posed a lot during last season. It was actually interesting. Eric Krakauer, when Leicester were going through that amazing run of form where they were just, it literally looked like they were challenging Liverpool for the title. Eric Krakauer basically said, this was back in October, I think, he basically said, yeah, I don't think Leicester are going to keep this up. I think they're eventually going to fall off. And, you know, they ended up doing that. They ended up finishing, I think it was sixth or fifth and finishing the Europa League. But a lot of people are still bringing up Brendan Rodgers as a guy that could potentially make that next leap and become a big-time manager. And, you know, it's just one of those things, like whenever I do watch Leicester, I really like the style of play. It's very attacking. It's it's very, you know, they know what they're going to do. They have a system in place. There's a lot of patterns being set. Um, they've got, they just got a good style about them. And we saw that with Liverpool when Brendan Rodgers was there too. They have a good attacking style um, and such. So, you know, I, I, I still think, I think, um, I think a lot of the big question a lot of people have is whether he can consistently do it for the entire season. But eventually I feel like it's going to come his way. And I think, you know, he could be ready for another big time job, whether that's with within the Premier League or, abroad I, I i think he's good enough and he's shown that he's he's good enough that he could do he could handle a full big another big boy job again basically <laughs> big boy job <laughs> yeah not to say I, leicester city yeah. isn't but obviously a caliber of manchester united liverpool one of those gargantuan clubs that are just mega huge i i'm still always gonna be on the train where i think Brendan Rodgers will always be in that kind of bucket of just a very good coach that can develop the most potential out of the youth players and really get mm. the most out of their players. And I I don't think he's at the caliber to like win something because mm. you saw of Liverpool, it, it spiked very high. Like we got second place in the Premier League. We lost in the Europa League. It's like, bro, or like not second in the or. Yeah, basically, it was like he didn't win any trophies. Yeah. And I was just like, man. And even we saw that with Lester as well. Like he had a big spike and very good start. But then after the halfway, at three fourths point of the season, that's when it just goes downhill. <laughs> so, and it's been like that every single season. I feel like he's been in the Premier League. It's never been, he's never been able to finish. So I think that will be a big factor in him getting a bigger role and being kind of titled as someone who has the ability to get a trophy for like a big team. Yeah. Although he played for, like he was a manager for Celtic. I mean, that yeah. league already in itself was not really a competition because Celtic <laughs> was like at like a tier 10 and then all their competition was like at a tier three. So yeah. that wasn't even fair to begin with. But I mm -hmm. feel like here he's doing really well with Leicester because he's developing a lot of potentially good players and they're getting, he's getting the most out of them. Yeah. But I mean, we're going to have to also see if he can continue to do that because as you saw Liverpool, he brought in players that he thought were going to be the next big thing. Ricky Lambert. Like, well, I mean, Ricky Lambert was already done. <laughs> he was like in his prime, if not post. But like, yeah. you know, Fabio Barini, Lazar Markovic, like all those players, like Javier Mankio. 
you know, when you go that style, there's you're gonna miss a lot more than you hit sometimes. Yeah. But when you do hit, it, it's a nice feeling. And I feel like Leicester, they're hitting more, they're missing. Yeah, so they I got a good like scouting that. department. I will mm-hmm. say that it's not just Rogers. I think their entire scouting department has been phenomenal. The way yeah, they just find talent is crazy. So I think that is the two things kind of playing in tandem. Mm-hmm. That's kind of working out. But I think yeah. Rogers is I still I think I said this in a previous pod like last season, but I still yeah. think Leicester is still his best team he should be at. Like I don't think he should leave. I think this is the team he should yeah. stay at. And yeah. like this should be one of those not like Sir Alex Ferguson or Arsene Wenger esque where like he's there for twenty years, but like he should ride the ship out as long as he can. Because yeah. like they're doing good things for both of them, like both the mm-hmm. team and coach. So I think they should just, you know, keep this at it and then like not really think about moving on. I think they just keep building on what they have and who knows, maybe they get lucky. But I think this is the most they'll get is like maybe just continue to compete top four and then get Europa League. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, so. if he can keep Leicester in the conversation of being a consistent, you know, they're, everyone's looking what's going to be that seventh team that's going to challenge, you know, the quote unquote typical stereotypical top six. You know, it's a lot of it. A lot of people keep saying Everton. Leicester, if if he can just keep Leicester in that conversation of breaking into the top six consistently, that's that's really good, I think, on his part. But yeah, exactly. On, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Thank thank goodness you figured out what I was trying to say and deciphered it <laughs> and actually said it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's why you got two people. You got, uh, exactly. you got a bounce ideas. You go. But um, now, like the pretty much like the last main topic we had was um, Tottenham. And I think what are Tottenham like? I think they're they're in the top four. Obviously, they're, they're doing, third right now. Yeah. yeah, third. They picked up a a, a big win. Um, pretty much a dramatic, like not dramatic, but like a late win. And Gareth Bale scored his first goal in the Premier League since um, leaving all the way way back in like 2013. But Tottenham, uh, you know, they had that mishap in the Europa League, but for the most part, they've been pretty solid in the Premier League. A couple hiccups here and there, which I can. Probably you can probably put down the shortened um, preseason, the amount of games that are coming thick and fast. But you'd be surprised. Mourinho is actually they're one of the top scoring sides in the Premier League. They're scoring a lot. They can they don't concede that many goals. Kion Min Son and Harry Kane are firing at all cylinders right now. But this is eerily similar to what was going on with Manchester United in his second season when Jose Mourinho was there, when they were basically blitzing every opponent, winning 4-0. Um, Pogba was scoring. Martial was on fire. Lukaku was on fire. Rashford was scoring. And then towards the middle of the season, it started to taper off a little bit. And we started to see really like classic Mourinho of just closing in and winning like maybe 1-0, 2-0, 1-1, I mean 2-1 and such. So I'm just curious to see how long Mourinho is going to kind of let the shackles loose with this Tottenham squad. I wonder when is that point he's just going to, you know, cut loose and just like pack everything together and just make it that classic Mourinho of just, you know, being so hard to play against and he just breaks every opponent down and then he hits you on the counterattack. So I'm just, that's what I'm looking for. Um, I think they're they're legitimate ch- t- title challengers for the Premier League. I think they've got a great squad. They have a great manager. I'm just curious to see when that kind of moment will turn where he goes super hardcore with his defensive style. It's it's going to be big for this season because even I feel like the Tottenham fans are at least the ones I talk to are still thinking this season is not doing too hot so far. I'm just like, wait a minute, you guys are in third. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like also 
superseded by just some very questionable results like the Antwerp one from last mm-hmm. week where like they lost to like some random team in the Europa League. Like there's still like those little questions. And then like Gareth Bell finally scoring. It's like, you know, it happened, but can you keep it up? It's still a lot of questions up in the air for how Tottenham are going to do this season. But I feel like because everyone else, kind of like how that Leicester winning season was where like everyone else just kind of sucked. Like this season, there's yeah, a lot of is garbage. Yeah, everyone is still not doing too. Like even Liverpool are kind of struggling. They're first so, place, right? They're in first place, yes. like Liverpool but, in first. Yeah, but I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's been like scrappy wins. It's very scrappy. It's not very like, like I feel like under Jota in this past few games, you're starting to see like the Liverpool of old where from yeah, last season where it's like, oh, they're, yeah, it's the like dominant. It's not going to win. It's not going to be in like the 99, 100, like Centurion mark. Yeah, I think it'll be like in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, like classic, classic Premier League, like back mm-hmm. in the 80s. So I think Tottenham do have a chance. It's just like, can they overcome and kind of answer all these questions of can they kind of be more consistent? Can they get rid of all this kind of like random thing, like heads in the clouds is like, can can Bale keep it up? Kind of like those mm-hmm. lingering questions. Can you stay healthy? Yeah, can you stay healthy? I know, they, I know they bought Vinicius like uh, the... Um, as like the their striker. Yeah, not their not junior. <laughs> yeah, no. He still plays for Real Madrid, but like the still backup Brazilian... <laughs> Another Brazilian striker, but, you know, I haven't seen, you know, I'm just going to be honest, I haven't seen enough of him to know if he's actually going to be a legitimate backup striker. So, you know, you know, they have Gareth Bale that can also play, but he also has a bad injury record. Um, so it's going to it's going to be one of those things where, you know, if you're going to win the title, it requires a lot of luck with in terms of injuries and staying healthy. So we'll mm-hmm. see. So, we'll yeah, see. but I, I still think because of the season and COVID season, there's going to be a lot of just random curveballs thrown at every single team. So it will be just kind of which team can best manage them mm-hmm. and kind of overcome them. Cause like clearly yeah. you see like city struggling United fighting relegation. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, this is a wild card kind of season, but yeah. we'll just have to just keep our heads up and just eyes open for all this, but we'll mm-hmm. be sure to keep you all up to date with everything. Of course. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But Moving on to quickly the Champions League. I know we mentioned this result earlier, but Atalanta, Liverpool, Liverpool smacked them 5-0. Jota got a hat trick. I mean, beautiful goals from Mane and Salah. Pretty, pretty dominant display. I don't know if there's, I know you mentioned a little bit of it. I don't know if you had any more, any more things to kind of mention in this game. Not really. It's just very much a surprise. I was just like, ooh. It was a dominant win. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was funny because. Hopefully they keep it going. Yeah. United beat Leipzig. Last week in the Champions League five 0 and now um, Liverpool are doing five 0 You know what? What? <laughs> what's the next Premier League club to win five 0 in the Champions League? We'll see. But I wanted to quickly mention Manchester City. They're cruising in their group, but Ferran Torres, the guy that we keep making jokes about, has been showing up in the Champions League. He's been scoring um, a lot of good goals, and you know they haven't been screamers per se, but there are a lot of goals where he's in the right position. Um, he plays on the right as a right mid, but um, he's one of those players, he's a good dribbler, he's a really good technical player, and in a way, you can't replace David Silva, but I feel like, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, Phil Foden is the David Silva replacement, which I get, but I feel like a, this kind of, he he kind of um, embodies a lot of Manchester City, that Manchester City type of player that they've purchased in a lot of years with, like, Nasri, um, Silva and such, that kind of, like, very Bad technically... Mannered. <laughs> yeah, no, not bad mannered, but um, I was going more for like their technical abilities, like very technical. Um, it has you know good range of passing, 
um, good with one twos and such. So I think um, as much as we joke about him, I think he'll probably be a, a solid signing for for Manchester City because Pep Guardiola obviously knows how to develop players. So and he's Spanish, so it's like a match made in heaven. Who knows? Maybe you'll see him play for the Spanish national team sooner than later. But he kind of yeah. reminds me of Eric Lamella, like literally in terms of oh yeah, style play where they play and the fact that he doesn't start (laughs) it's just Fernand Torres is shorter and I don't know we haven't really seen as we've heard rumors that he's bad mannered but like we don't we haven't seen it Mm -hmm. the antics of like Lamella yet so I mean I don't know we'll see but Fernand Torres is finally getting himself featured on the Premier Pod for not being a ghost and actually scoring goals so hopefully (laughs) we'll see a little bit more of him and then see what he can develop into because this is, I, I, as Jess was saying, I don't think he's a replacement for any particular player. I feel like he's more kind of brought into the team to kind of be Fernand Torres. For, for, for yeah. Like, just be his old man. Because, like, I don't mm-hmm. think he's trying to fill up David Silva's shoes. Because yep. yeah. like, at this point, as we learned from watching Barcelona, no matter who you bring in, you can't replace Iniesta or Xavi. It's like... Yeah. You'll be Frankie De Jong. Like that you just have to remember that's who he is. <laughs> it's just yeah. Just He's make the most out of him. Iniesta. Exactly. Exactly. But then um the last result, uh, we already mentioned Chelsea beat um Rennes, like they ran over him, but um United um versus uh Istanbul Bash Bashik. Bash- <laughs> Bash- 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 here. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't pronounce it. That's my apologies. That's my bad, but um I've already mentioned this result. 2-1, they lost. Bad defensive errors. The first goal specifically. I mean, what were they doing? They left Demba Ba alone on a corner kick with, with Nemanja Matic, who's like one of the slowest midfielders I got PTSD watching that goal. Yeah. I'm like, how do we let... As much as United fans, like any Premier League club has joked about Demba Ba running past the defense, how do we let Demba Ba run past our entire defense? How is he still fast? Maybe he that's what he does. Maybe yeah. that's just his game, you know? I'm <laughs> like, how? Oh I feel my like, like Bashekshi here with the old classics of being... Scooter. Like, we thought Everton was, you know, the the goodwill of the Premier League where they just pick up all the players that did not fulfill their potential and they just come to, to Everton. But no, it's exactly. actually Istanbul Bashekshi here because we see Raphael, the former right back for Man U, we see yep. Martin Skirtle, center back, former Liverpool defender Demba that ba. was kicked from the Klopp era. And then Demba Ba, the Newcastle legend, or as a lot of people remember him for his Chelsea, the one thing he did at Chelsea, which was just ruin <laughs> Liverpool dreams as Gerard slipped. So oh here we go goodness. again. He does the same thing, the same the the same run, essentially. Yeah, and like, but it was the same menu. finish, too. It was like, literally just, the same finish. I'm like, this is literally... Like, I literally saw that goal happen live and then i was just like i i was like ah ah the, the bad memes <laughs> oh my I can't, gosh i can't watch like i had to turn it off i was just like yeah. ah ptsd I don't blame just- you. it was a bad game to watch it was terrible <laughs> it was boring it was boring it was one of those things like we already mentioned it i, I don't have to message again but it was one of those things that just looked lost um tactics wise they just didn't look like they could break down this team which made no sense with the amount of talent they had but yeah, another poor result for Manchester United. This really weird season for them. But um, yeah, that kind of wraps up the Champions League part. And now going into our preview section for this weekend, we have some pretty good matchups. Um, probably the first one I'll, I'll point out is the Everton-Manchester United game. They start us off on Saturday morning. This game 
is going to be very interesting because both teams have been in a pretty poor run of form. Um, and Everton are obviously hosting Manchester United. So I actually will give the edge to Manchester United because in a lot of ways, they actually perform better away from home than they do at home. So um, I will go I will go again with 2-1. I'm just going to keep rolling with Manchester United. Hopefully they Ooh. win. I think for this game, Everton not having Richarlison is, has been really damaging for them because yep. he got that red card and been banned for three games from the Liverpool match mm-hmm. for uh, trying to kill Thiago. So <laughs> I think this is his third game he's going to be serving that suspension for and not having him for this game is really going to hurt Everton because Dama Cabrera-Lewin clearly can't carry on his own. And also Pickford was dropped last game as a load management kind of situation as yeah. Ancelotti would say, but I'm like, that's BS. <laughs> Why do you have to load manage a goalkeeper? Yeah, Tim, Tim Howard literally said that was like some BS. Yeah, so in, in, in the nicest way, he was just in like, the nicest never, way possible. Yeah, was like, <laughs> I've like, never heard bad. of it. He's basically like, I've never heard of a goalkeeper <laughs> wanting to get load management. It's he literally that's like Tim Howard's one of the nicest people, I feel like. So it's like, that's just him saying in the nicest way possible that Jordan Pickford is bad. <laughs> he just got straight up <laughs> dropped. Exactly. So I think uh, Everton are not in a good way. They're just on a losing streak, actually, which is mm-hmm. hilarious as a Liverpool fan because people were saying, they're going to be title contenders. contenders, but here yeah. they are losing to Newcastle and Southampton. So I think, man, you're also going to win this. And I think it'll be a lot closer. I think we won zero. Oh, wow. Thanks for yeah. pulling from Manchester United. I appreciate that. But <laughs> um, moving on to Leicester City versus Wolves, this game will be really fun because both teams are performing at pretty high levels right now. I will give the edge actually to Leicester City again. I think Jamie Vardy. Vardy, Vardy party. He's having, he's on fire right now. Um, so I think Leicester City will win also with another 2-1. I, this is a very difficult match for me because I feel like Wolves are not the Wolves of last season, but they're still trucking at sixth place. Mm-hmm. But Leicester also having a Jimenez, party with Vardy. Jimenez is scoring some wonder, wonderful goals still. Mm-hmm. And then other players are stepping up for Wolves like Potence. Oh my gosh, yeah. And Pedro Neto, he, I think he just recently signed a new contract too with Wolves. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. they still have the solid players like Connor Cody, the former Liverpool Academy product, and also yeah. uh, Ruben Neves. Yeah, like all those players are still there. So I feel like the core is still there, which is why they're still trucking pretty solidly. So, But even then, Leicester, they're just on a whole different level. And I think it'll be a really close game. I'm actually going to say it's a 2-2 draw. Oh, wow, that'll be fun. It's hey, a it's- fun game. Every time we say it's a fun game, it ends up being 0-0. Zero, it's, zero. <laughs> it's a stinker. So uh, hopefully we don't jinx it again, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And then the the big game of the weekend, um, you know, Manchester United held that mantle for two weeks in a row and they've been absolutely crap. But um, we have probably the classic, probably the best Premier League matchup um, between two teams that we've seen over the past three seasons, this big rivalry game that has turned into an absolute super show of just something fun to watch is Manchester City versus Liverpool. Both teams love to attack. Both teams and both of their coaches don't sit and basically sit back and defend. They both want to go forward and win. So this one's going to be fun to watch. City have obviously have not looked their best. Liverpool have not looked their best, but um, 
just to just to break things up, I actually I think Liverpool will win, but I think it'll be three two. I think this will be a fun game to watch. I I am actually on the same boat as you, Yash. Oh wow, three two. Three two. Yeah, I'm gonna say three two. But there is one concerning factor: is that last game in the Premier League, Liverpool started uh, Nathaniel Phillips and. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you don't know who that is because he is our fifth string <laughs> center back. Yeah, was and he the same guy that started in the Champions League? No, that was Reese Williams. Okay. So he's an academy product, but um so was I mean Nathaniel Phillips, but I mean this man is like 23 where like Reese Williams is like 18, 19. Mm. But and this was his first Premier League start, which yep. was a long time coming. But I mean like this is not a player I would have thought in a million years would have a Premier League start. For Liverpool, I'm not gonna lie, and I, I think he was even saying that too. He was just like, "I'm, this is like a dream come true to even get a Premier League start for Liverpool." Like, I, no <laughs> one was seeing that coming. Like, if you were to say, "It's like, yeah, every single center back is gonna get injured, and then you're gonna play," like, no one would have thought that. Mm-hmm. But Matip apparently is back in training, and I don't oh, know wow. if he'll be healthy enough to get back into the starting eleven for this game. But I think that will really determine who will be winning this game, or whether it'll be a draw, because. You know, Man City, although they are a weaker team, in my opinion, from the previous seasons, they're still a high score. They could be a high scoring team still. Mm-hmm. So I think if they see a hole and they see like that center back position just a little weak, they'll Pep Guardiola will definitely exploit that, like high press that, and then they'll get a, they'll milk in a few goals. But at the same time, Liverpool are just on fire right now with Diego Jota. And Man City's defense is not any better. <laughs> so. <laughs> It will be a high-scoring game, in my opinion. Every single season, we've always seen this game as a very high stakes. It's like almost like a preview of like a Super Bowl in terms of like a game, because it's always like it's it's. I mean, Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp are like good friends. Like I feel like if Yosh and I were to manage two teams, this would be like our matchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd yeah. be like us two, like that kind of kind of friendship, kind of going at it. Exactly. But I think it's gonna be a three-two to Liverpool still. Yeah. It's, I got to believe in the team, and I think Liverpool is still the better team going into mm-hmm. this one. So, yeah, I I think this will be really fun. This hopefully this game, I don't we don't jinx it. This game has always kind of lived up to like that hype of being just a fun game to watch. Um, so I'm hoping I'm hoping that it stays true, and I think it will be really fun because um, there's just so much talent on display between when these two teams play, but. We'll see. We got some um, good ele- good, um, good predictions going on there. But yeah, that kind of wraps up um, Season 3, Episode 95 for us. Please make sure to um, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you do, it kind of helps us out. Um, leaves it, leave us a rating there. But obviously, um, if you don't, thank you for listening. And also, um, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Premier Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Instagram at The Premier Pod. Um, tweet at us. Um, send us a DM. We'll Obviously, we're always active there and everything. So, yeah, um, we appreciate the support. And thank you guys so much for listening. And that kind of does it for us in this episode. Peace. Peace.